Merry Christmas, RCC. Whether you're watching online or here on campus, on behalf of our elder and staff team, we're so excited that you're here with us today with friends and family to celebrate the birth of our King Jesus. Uh, there is nothing like the announcement of a coming child to get a group of people, friends and family, excited about the potential of, of first-time parents. Uh, as many of you know, if you're new around here, you probably don't know, my wife and I um, were excited to bring in the work. Well, my wife did all the work. Let me just be, okay, ladies, all right? This is uh, not a man's world. He, he lied, all right? Um, we were excited to bring in our son, Finnegan James Seaman, uh, on Halloween. So he's going to have a lot of fun birthdays. I remember when Crystal told me that um, we're pregnant, I, I picked my jaw off the ground uh, because I'll be 40 next year. And uh, the very first thing that she said was, hey, man, I know that you're not man, but hey, man, I know that you're thinking about putting this online, this announcement. Don't. And secondly, no fire is allowed to be in the birth announcement uh, of our photo. So this is what we decided on. And I think it's probably the most realistic photo because uh, I think we need a bigger coffee pot uh, at this point. Holy lack of sleep, parents. You are amazing people. Um, and we, uh, a couple months later, we were able to um, uh, do the gender reveal, and we drove up to Maine, where my brother and sister-in-law live, and they're two, they're two kiddos. And um, we were all really excited to get together. And, and I'm going to show you uh, about a 15-second clip from my iPhone. And the audio is not wrong. Uh, it's not highly pitched. That's just my beautiful niece, London, really excited. So check this out. Here we go. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Do you see anything? Stop, stop. It's a boy! It's a boy! <laughs> I love it. She's got as much energy as her, uh, as her, as her daddy. My brother Graham is, is all extroverted all the time. Uh, a few weeks ago, um, we were able to, uh, we, we took a photo of our son that we just, we laugh about all the time. And uh, let me throw it up there for you real quick. Um, this photo reveals, reveal, yeah, uh, some of you are mean on Facebook. Uh, not COVID related either. You're just going after my kid. Um, someone said, uh, we should caption this, and I didn't agree to it, but uh, I think my favorite caption was, that's my dad, put me back in my mom's tummy. Um, I love, babies love contrast, so he's staring at um, our new TV and our tons of lights that we have on our Christmas tree. My, my, my favorite part of that is not the eyes, it's um, the beanie on his head, uh, because it came from my dad, his grandfather, which is weird to say now. It's crazy, right? Um, it, it's funny for two reasons. My dad just discovered how to use Amazon Prime, and uh, also he's colorblind. Um, so, hey, we're, we're cool with it. Boys can wear pink. It's fine. I look good in pink. My son looks good in pink. But it's just a funny photo that uh, it really highlights all of the different faces that Finnegan uh, shares. Um, you know, there, there really noth there's nothing else like it to, to get a group of people, a family, some friends together to celebrate the birth of a coming child. Now, imagine with me, if you would, your friends announcing on social media that they're expecting, and you get excited, you call them or text them or DM them, and that happens over the weekend, and you get back home from work on a Monday, and uh, you get a, um, some, some mail from the same friends, and it's basically 
the uh, digital announcement just in print form. You're like, oh, that's sweet. They're, you know, they're sending it to everybody. And, um, but you get home from work Tuesday, Wednesday, like every day leading up to the birth of their child, they're sending the same stinking announcement to your house. Like at some point, you're like, bro, save that energy. You're going to need, you're going to need it when you like can't sleep at night because you're up with your baby all the time, right? Like who in the world sends more than one announcement to someone's household? Right? Who sends a, an, an announcement of the coming child like every single day leading up to the birth of their child? I'll tell you who does. It's God. And he doesn't wait nine months. He doesn't wait a few weeks. He doesn't even wait a few years. We're talking, church, 700 years before Jesus was born. He's already making what theologians call messianic prophecies, these invitations of, we're expecting we're expecting a child to be born to the world, not just to be an irregular child, but to be the sin bearer and to take away the sins of the world. And this is one of many announcements of expectancy. So if you have a Bible or a smartphone, you want to go there with me, you're more than welcome to do so. The announcement is in Isaiah 9, verses 2 through 6, and it reads this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light, deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shuttered the yoke, which is a teaching or a view of life. We call it a worldview today, but same thing as a yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulder, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot, you're like, where's the Christmas stuff? Hang with me. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. God is excited about the birth of his son, and he doesn't wait nine months before Mary has Jesus. He begins hundreds of years before this. Now, Isaiah is doing some really difficult but very kind and gentle pastoral work. Because whenever you read the Old Testament, whatever narrative you're in in the Old Testament, there's usually an enemy coming for them, right? Uh, usually the enemy comes after us once we become uh, Christians. And so Isaiah is using kind of different language, right? He uses language of the oppressor. He's talking about when the Israelites were in bondage under Pharaoh and Exodus and the Egyptians were pummeling them. Here in this context, the Assyrians are going after them. And, and Isaiah is being a good pastor. He's addressing and calling out the fear that people have, not criticizing them for being fearful. Fear is a natural emotion. And this thing that we're living in called life. And he's drawing their memory back to a God that delivered his people out of Exodus. And then he references Midian. Now, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, that's a head nod to the book of Judges, where God raises up judges to, live, to deliver his people who um, don't want a God, kind of do their own thing, sort of Mardi Gras. They repent, they want God, and it's this vicious cycle. And that's a reference to when God raised up Gideon. And what God did through Gideon and his leadership and his ministry and what Isaiah basically is telling the Israelites is God will always deliver. In fact, God does some of his best work in the dark. And he still wants to be faithful to us today. 
I want to share with you four important aspects of this announcement, if I could. The first one is this. This announcement uh, was, was sent early because people really needed hope. You know, God is not a God that says, hey, come to me with your problems. If I'm not busy enough, I'll take care of them. No, God's a God that wants to meet our needs right now. 700 years before the birth of the Christ child, God is continually making these promises. My son is coming. My son is coming. My son is coming. I'm not going to forget you. I'm not going to abandon you. I I find myself saying those same things to Finn when I'm holding him in my arms and watching football. It's a beautiful thing, right? And he's crying and he's trying to like fight off sleep. And I tell him someday you're going to love to sleep. And I just tell him like, I'm going to be here when you wake up. It's okay. You can rest in my arms. God is doing the same thing with the Israelites. And just because it's in the Old Testament doesn't mean it doesn't apply to you. He's doing the same thing to you right now. Maybe you would define 2021 as sort of walking around in the dark. Maybe over the last, what, 36 months into this thing, that maybe you've lost some hope. Maybe you got divorced this year. Maybe a good friend that you could always confide in just ghosted you or just stopped talking to you. Maybe that career that was on an up and to the right trajectory now finds you jobless. Whether it's, whether it's the Assyrians coming after the Israelites, or whether it's providing for your family, or some emotional need, it matters to you because it's personal. And if it matters to you, it matters to your heavenly Father, church. This announcement was sent early because people needed, people needed hope. We need hope, which is why we do this thing, church, this thing called church every Sunday, every week to be reminded of the hope that Jesus is with us. The second reason why this announcement is so important, because it's just not a normal announcement, it's announcing a royal birth. Notice the language that Isaiah uses in verse 6. The government shall be on his shoulders. Now, why would Isaiah use such a very political term, right? Don't we love it when pastors talk about politics? The answer is no, right? Uh, But guess what? The Bible does. um, And Jesus affirms in Matthew chapter 4 that that text is about me. Now, let me tell you something. If you claim to be God, you better be right 100% of the time. Now, remember, Isaiah was written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And notice what Jesus says in Matthew 4, 14 through 17. Matthew writes, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, this statement is amazing for a million reasons. One of which is this beautiful word that we find disgusting in our culture, which is repent. Now, repent has two beautiful uh, meanings behind it. Number one, it's a change of mind, right? What do we say insanity is? Doing the same thing over, expecting a different result. I am insane because I'm a Bengals fan, okay? I hope they make the playoffs this year. Probably not, right? Repentance is an opportunity to say, hey, man, slow your roll. Why do you keep jumping from relationship to relationship? Why do you find yourself broke? Because you keep going from bad financial decision to bad financial decision. Repentance is an, an opportunity to sit down before the Lord and examine what you're doing in your life. Repentance is also the Hebrew word uh, teshuva means, uh, repentance means you can come home, right? Now, when I was a high school kid and I was out late with my friends, I didn't want my parents to wait up for me. 
but I quietly wanted to because I knew they cared about me. There's a sense with the word repentance that God's keeping the light on, waiting for us to come home, sitting in the living room, not, not in judgment of us, but wanting us to come home. What's to hear your story? What's it like to walk around in darkness without me for so long? What's it like to have all this guilt and shame? Because I'll tell you, I'm sending my son to not only pay for your sin, but to wash away the guilt and the shame. I'm going to take care of the penalty of your sin, and I'm going to demolish the power of your sin. But that just depends on your view of God. <laughs> Is God some stoic, boring uncle in your family that really wants nothing to do with you? Or do you, when you think about God, is he some loving father waiting for you to come home? I think Isaiah also wrote that the government is on his shoulders is because the Israelites, and even in the New Testament, are hoping that when the Messiah comes, he will dethrone and overthrow the Roman Empire. And let's be honest, over the last couple of years, there are more Christians more Christians in support of their political party, whether you're Republican or Democrat or somewhere between, than the kingdom of God. But notice what Jesus does with his politics. To be a politician, you have to be a public figure. You have to have a group of followers, disciples, right? You have to have a social agenda, and you have to use power to assert yourself over other people. Now, anybody can read a history book. You read a history book, I don't care what country, people Political powers and entities and politicians always use their power for fear, uh, overbearing other people, and propaganda. W what are the two defining characteristics of the politics of Jesus and the kingdom of God? Love and service. And so what does Jesus do with all of his power? Right? If you could be God for a day, what would you do? Right? Let's be honest. He'd probably flick some people off. Right? But you're done. You're done. You're done. Right? Kentucky, Midwest. Get out of here, right? What does Jesus do with it? He lays it down. But that's not appealing to us, right? That's not appealing to us because we don't get any of the credit. That's the point. Jesus laid down his life not to get the credit so his heavenly father could get all the glory. And he did this willingly for us. Now, I love baby Jesus. He's cute. He's cuddly. But Jesus is our sin bearer than just a normal, pudgy, cuddly little kid right? Yeah, sure, because of our sin, Christmas is our fault, but Jesus is making it about his redemption. The third important thing about this announcement is this, that it has four different names on it. Notice what Jesus is called in verse 6. He'll be the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Now imagine your crazy friends that mail you an announcement every day. What, what if they did this? <laughs> They sent you an announcement and decided, we're going to tell our friends and family the name of our child. You open the announcement, and it reads this. Announcing the expectant arrival of our son, guitar shredding, future owner of the New England, New England Patriots, marathon runner, Nobel Peace Prize winner, Frank. I mean, a little weird. Like, come on, guys, you're a little off your rocker. But Jesus isn't a normal baby. <clears throat> In the scriptures, a name wasn't just a name. It told you what that person was going to be about. And so Jesus is called a wonderful counselor, which means that Jesus will have supernatural, a supernatural source of extraordinary wisdom. Now, why does that matter to you? Because it matters to you. It's good news to you if you need guidance in your life. Jesus is called a mighty God, which indicates that he is divinely strong and powerful. 
which means he can help the weak. He's called an everlasting father, which indicates that he will care for people forever as a father cares for his children, which is incredible news if you find yourself alone or unappreciated, unappreciated this holiday season. And he's called Prince of Peace, which I love this, indicates that Jesus will bring deep well-being and right relationships, which is good news if you sense a lack of peace with yourself or other people or maybe even God. Number four, this announcement is filled with the names that only belong to God. This is what separates Jesus from all other historical figures. Jesus is called a wonderful counselor. Later in Isaiah, we're told that only God does quote-unquote wonderful things, Isaiah 25, and that he uses wonderful counsel, Isaiah 28. Jesus is also called a mighty God when one chapter later, the same title is only used of God himself in Isaiah 10. Jesus is called an everlasting father. God is called the father of his people throughout the Bible in Isaiah 63, and only God himself can truly be called the everlasting father. Isaiah guarantees these things will happen, and these things will be born on the basis of God's passionate commitment to fulfill his promises and to fulfill his purposes. As Isaiah 9, 7 says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Man, God is pumped about you getting to have a relationship with the Christ child. He's so excited like just kind of a cheesy dad, right? He's telling us, my son is coming, my son is coming, 700 years before he comes. May you, this Christmas, know that there's nothing quite like the announcement of a child expected to be born of parents that gathers a group of people, the church, to worship and to sing the King Jesus and to grow and learn his word. May you be reminded that whether you are in darkness or in light this holiday season, God wants you to come home. He has sent the invitation, and he will continually pursue you and send an invitation every single day. This is the story of Christmas. Man, there's nothing quite like the announcement of a forthcoming baby. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this beautiful reminder in a very old book that we probably don't read often. And yet your word is still true. You, you, you gave this promise to a group of people 700 years before it would even happen. Those people never physically met Jesus in the flesh, and yet you still came through for them. And you're still coming through for us, maybe not in ways that we want to prefer or pray for or ask for, but you're the God that is with us. Man, I, I, I pray, Jesus, that the people watching online or here on campus would, would maybe think a little bit deeper than just getting together as a family to feel good on the inside, to sing familiar Christmas songs, and, and, and really think about that this baby is our sin bearer. And it's such a sweet relief that we don't have to wonder in the darkness through our whole lives. We don't have to feel like we have to carry the load or be the sole provider for our family, of, of every aspect of our family. God, may we be the kinds of people that receive your invitation. And if we've already received it, extend it to others. This is our prayer in your name that we pray. Amen.